0: welcome to another episode of pit lane parlay. I am your host Mike Jokum. Joining me today is Mr. Andy Merrick, my friend. How are you? How's life?
2: Dude, welcome. Welcome to life. Welcome to June 21st. Beautiful outside today.
0: I, I don't remember where you are, but it is swelteringly hot again here. It is uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> it's uh, I say it's the same It's the same where I am. I'm okay with that. I say oh, okay. bring it. Yeah. I, I I eat all that. I say there's like ten days out of the year where you get that kind of nastiness, and it's like that's like I don't know three percent of the year. Bring it, bring it. Let it let Mother Nature challenge, and, and let's see if I can rise up to it.
0: So, I when it gets above eighty five, I'm just a cranky old man, and I don't want to be outside. <laughs> and thankfully, I was I was a little nervous last week. So last week was the end of the first week. It was like real hot this summer and i didn't know how the puppy was gonna react and like oh, he's mm. either gonna love it or he's gonna hate it he mm. doesn't like it either so i'm like oh thank <laughs> god thank, thank thank god now, now i don't feel too. like an ass yeah you yeah, take it doesn't... for me
2: for me take it to 115 and and uh and and we'll see we'll see like where i stand with it um
0: definitely no thank you uh but anyway <laughs> uh you know I guess, you know, before we, we dive into kind of talking about the season as a whole, I'm mm. always curious, you know, somebody who's, like, as involved as you are in, in everything you create in, in social media, my first question is, on a weekend like last weekend when there's no racing, are you happy, are you sad, <laughs> like, when there's no IndyCar, are you happy, yeah. are you, like, are you bummed out, are you bored, or, you know, mm. how, and how do you, you know, what does Andy do on an off weekend?
2: yeah. That's a great question, man, because it's like uh, I can see for even for my own life, there's sometimes I think you get to the end of some sessions when you're working. You're like, oh, man, like I'm so tired, like kind of from being focused. That's what a lot of it is. Yep. From just being focused yep. on what you're doing. But at the same time, you're like you're like, congratulations, dude, like great job. You know, like that's that's how <laughs> I feel a lot of times when 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 like sessions end. it's like that was so much fun. That was so cool for me. I live so much in the moment. Like I just like to be just exist. And so whatever's happening, I'm about it. If it's like the weather is a perfect thing. If it's 110 outside, I'm about it. If it's 10 degrees outside, I'm about it. If it's a a race weekend, I love that. If it's not, I'll go and chill with my friends and go do something, maybe out on a lake, maybe out on a bike ride, maybe doing something else. So for me, it's like I'm I'm a both and like whatever's happening, I'm about it.
0: I, I definitely understand that race weekend feeling because there are weekends. And especially, I think this year in particular, as we've taken on more and more, and I've been running around. You know, Frenchie's helped out a couple weekends when he could, but you know, there's some weekends like when I'm, especially driving back, and you know, it's a long drive from whatever state I'm in, and I am completely mentally exhausted, like just 0.0% left on the energy level. And that Monday when I'm going through emails, I'm pretty much like a zombie. So, like, this weekend, Saturday, I slept in, now there's only so much sleeping in you can do with a puppy, but, you know, I, I pushed it to, like, 9 o'clock until mm. I was like, okay, should probably go out. But I didn't didn't move that much, played a, a round of par 3 golf on, on Sunday morning with Cody Bray, which was pretty fun, but it was nice to just, like, not have that, like, complete mental exha- exhaustion when the weekend ended. And I had yesterday off, so I had a day to just kind of, like chill out. But anyway, moving on from that, you you do a lot of really cool things on social media from posting about, you know, making awesome looking TV graphics on whether it's when things are or the TV ratings or, you know, hey, this weekend at Road America, there are three or four different strategies and this is how it all played out. And how did you, you know, how did you decide to kind of specialize in, in, in that? Because it's very good. And B... How much time does a, you know, let's let's just take the Road America one I just mentioned to you, where you're kind of talking about tire strategy over the last handful of races. How long does that take?
2: <laughs> well, first of all, <coughs> thanks for those words. It's really nice of you yeah. to say that about my work. Uh, a lot of this stuff I just do for fun. And so I have no idea how long it takes on the <laughs> one hand. Um, like, I'll guess. I'll, I'll take a guess at a couple of things for you, but yeah. um, I... When I'm doing this stuff, I uh, just I'm, I think of it like building a city. And so for me, I'm just working on skills um, with all of this stuff. I love the racing. The racing is so cool. But even beyond that, for me, I'm trying to build up other skills inside of myself. So things like project management and um, like delivering value to people who are going to see things, um, things like graphic design and copywriting and computer programming these are all things that i continue to try to build up my skills in and so a lot of this stuff when i start doing it i really find myself kind of just in flow like i'm i'm I'm, i get to a place where i I really lose track of time but (laughs) i'm when i'm when i'm doing it i kind of think about it like i'm building a city this is probably like way too esoteric of an answer but it's it's really the way that i think about it like when a city you've got infrastructure like roads and power lines and water and so with a lot of my stuff when i'm building some of these graphics like you're kind of building systems at first where you're just kind of collecting data and putting it inside of um like kind of containers on your computer and then you're building up some graphic things that are on top of that so some of it's just the collecting of the data and then some of it's building the systems so that you can pull that data back out and then it's like displaying that data you know in something that actually makes sense and so there's a lot of this stuff that's like i like to iterate on things uh so it's like build and then measure and then learn from it and then keep building measure learn so like from week to week if you were to compare that race strategy graphic from like this season so far yeah you'll see like small differences in it like every single week because i just like building and creating stuff it's just part of who i am a graphic like that you're you're looking at like um so kind of like collecting data at first a lot of that data collection (laughs) i probably do within like an hour or something like that probably takes about an hour to collect the data and kind of put it in places that I want it to be. Um, The programming for the graphic itself, that took me like, I don't know, it depends, maybe six to eight hours. That thing has taken me total to kind of build that part of it up. But once you get that part done, then it's like now I'm just pushing a button to generate stuff off of the data that I've already collected, you know, so it's like you kind of pay. That's why I say it's kind of like an infrastructure in a city where you you build up those lower end systems and then then you're just pushing buttons, eventually collecting some data and I'm always trying to eliminate the toil and the annoying parts about it, trying to automate different things. And that's the challenge for me like on the system side and i get as excited about that like 50 50 as i do about like the racing stuff and 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 producing the graphic and then having other people hopefully get some value out of it
0: yeah i mean they're all even even the one that's you know they hear the the tv times this weekend or here the on track times so, some sometimes they, they they come out before the the indycar ones does that that us media people look at but I save almost all of them to my phone so I can reference them as I'm running around somewhere or, you know, I'm texting it with, usually with Kevin i and like, hey, did you get this? Did you, see, do you know where you need to be? Uh, <laughs> you know, cause he's doing some Indie Pro 2000 photos and whatnot. So we're always kind of helping each other out with what time it is. So they're, they're always handy. And I, I do, I do see what you mean. I've seen them kind of evolve as the year has gone on into, you know, slightly different looking and, and whatnot so I that that all makes sense but you know we're we're eight races in to a 17 race year year so kind of like technically not at the halfway point but this is the longest break we have until the end of August maybe if not the end of the season mm mm-hmm. am not quite sure there might be another three week break in there at some point but I, I'm not not sure I don't think so so, what are your if you if you were to give, we're just gonna go through some random season thoughts here. I have not okay. planned any of this out on purpose. All right, all right. You're gonna you're gonna give the season so far a letter grade. A is this has been the best IndyCar season on the planet. Hmm. F is this is the worst IndyCar season on the planet.
2: Okay. So uh, halfway, I'm unqualified to answer this because I really became an IndyCar <laughs> fan in 2018. <laughs> So my yeah, my okay. my range my range of years that I have is going to be a lot smaller than a lot of <laughs> than a lot of people's is going to be. I would say out of the five years that I've watched, this has to be. I think it's the best one so far. Not just saying that I've got no stake to say it or not say it. I just think that uh, even if you look from a, a championship like drivers championship standpoint, I think it's tighter yeah. than it's been at this point in the season than it has been in and there's a number of drivers that can still run away with it in the top five, six that very easily could. And there's still even beyond that, another two or three that are still in it, you know, very, very much in it mathematically. So it's a, it's a question for me, um, about a grade, I guess I would say, I would say like B plus a minus. I mean, it's like, it's, it's right up there and that's leaving room for something that would be even more amazing. You know, I think it's been a really satisfying year to watch as an IndyCar fan. Your thoughts on it.
0: Yeah. I would, I would say a B or a B plus. I think for the most part, every race this year, even Texas has been pretty good. You've got, you know, going into all the top five in the standings are all within 50 points. The top 10 are about a hundred back. So, you know, top five are theoretically, maybe top six are all within, or top seven are all within championship striking distance. And, I was looking at kind of standings at the the halfway point. have some old like interview notes and whatnot. And the only other one I can recall that was kind of this close in the summer was twenty nineteen. Going into Toronto, Rossi was seven points back of Scott Dixon. I don't. I didn't write that part down. I could be wrong on who he was chasing. But anyway, he was seven points back. But that didn't encapsulate kind of you know the top 5 or 6 being so close you know you you are a Marcus Ericsson DNF from having you, and know Alex Polo win from you know, everything flipping around again so mm-hmm. and you think about it, Apollo's fifth in the standings hasn't won a race yet he's just been relatively consistent minus you know road america with with his issue there but mm-hmm. power is 27 points back. Newgarden mm-hmm. is 32. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot that could still happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Dixon still hasn't won a race yet. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, you get it's in And some of the things, you the woulda, coulda, shouldas, too. You know, I, I was uh, uh, when you were talking about Ericsson, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, he's one DNF away. It's like, he's also one DNF, that Long Beach DNF he had when he kind of punched the throttle a little bit too much out of turn <laughs> four and hit the wall and ended up in the beach over, you know, with the sitting in the chair on the on the side of the uh, the NBC cameraman, love that. Uh, but it, I mean, if he doesn't DNF there, he was running P3 in that race. And so he's like one DNF away from even having a greater points lead. And uh, you hear yeah. the drivers talk about it all the time, saying like this championship is so difficult. It's so difficult. And you can do the woulda, coulda, shouldas Uh, but that's just that makes it how cool how tight that it actually is because of all the different scenarios that can happen that can really turn things upside down and I would expect you know we'll see a lot of jockeying from here to the end of the season
0: yeah that Marcus Erickson sitting next to the Marshall is definitely kind of one of the more probably the funniest moment of the season so far unintentionally funny moments of the season so far at least but yeah without that he's got maybe a 45 or 50 ish point advantage, and you're going, mm-hmm. okay, Marcus Erickson just needs to run consistent the second half of the year, and he's probably got a championship. Now mm-hmm. it's it's anybody's game. Even Alex mm-hmm. Rossi at the beginning of the year, we said we, he can't do, his team can't do anything right. Now he's seventh in the standings, so it's it's a lot of fun. Looking at the rookie class, though, you, we have I think Lungard is 20, 17 points up on David Malukas right now, mm-hmm. and then Kirkwood, Eilat, Devlin are about 40 to 60 points back ish roughly I don't really feel like doing the math in in on the screen here but what's impressed you about these rookies is there any anyone that you think maybe got rushed along a little too soon you know what are your what's your rookie class impression
2: I think, I mean, look, these guys, I think, have been phenomenal. I don't think that when you look at the the, the place that they are in the Drivers' Championship so far, I think it doesn't. It does not stack up against some of the earlier seasons that you would see guys that were higher maybe in previous previous seasons. But I think the talent that they've had has been significant. Like, they seem like they are running themselves really close to the edge a lot of the time, and they're doing it within the margin that they have. Now, obviously, sometimes they're losing out on some of that margin with, you know, Some of Malucas might have some errors here, Kirkwood might have some errors there, but they're so high quality from my viewpoint. Um uh and so I think that a lot of these guys, I lot also, um, too. I mean, all four of those guys, they they're putting on they're getting their names in the broadcast every single weekend pretty much, at least one of those guys on merit. Not just because, well, we've got to cover the rookies, (laughs) it's because they're putting themselves up into the story and into the mix. And I think that's super impressive and uh and then you've got the other rookies that have come up. You know, De Francesco. He's taken some hits this year, and 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 you know, taken some heat uh, on a few things. But I really appreciate that dude's mental fortitude and sticking with it and and not folding. You know, I, his start that he had at Road America, until the power incident, his start that he had at Road America was unbelievable. I mean, he went from like P21 to P14 within the span of like those first yeah. four, or five, six, seven laps, and was moving. He was hustling that Andretti car. I've really appreciated seeing his mental attitude that he's had to kind of withstand the onslaught that he's had to deal with, and some of it rightfully so, and I think he would say the same thing. And then I love seeing, I love seeing Calderon also out there, and she's pushing every single week to continue getting better in the way that she needs to get better. And I love that too. So it's been, it's been real. I've been super happy personally with the rookie class.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And Tatiana, I, I, I almost wish she just had a little bit more of a team behind her, and maybe maybe it's the Foyt showing because she's kept it clean. Yeah, I, she just she hasn't had a ton of pace, and I, I think part of that is just listen. I just need to get this car home in one piece. We, we don't have the best equipment. Let's just do the best I can every week and and keep getting experience. Because she had, there was there's one race that sticks out that she was top. Thirteen or top fourteen? I don't remember what race it was. It was the Indy GP. Indy GP. Okay, it I knew was, it, was...
2: it was. Yeah, yeah, and Long Beach. I think also. I think you're right. She was sixteenth at Long Beach, and I think fifteenth at the Indy GP.
0: All right, let's see here. At Long Beach, she was sixteenth. At the Indy GP, she was fifteenth. Yeah. So you know, right, right there, and and moving up ten spots, keeping it clean. even at a a kind of a tricky start at road america last week she kept it clean so i've been finished every race that she's been
2: in finished every race she hasn't she hasn't torn stuff up she had the one wreck i think she had the one she had the one off at uh i think barber in warm-up maybe but the funny thing about that one was that the the funny thing about that one was that the team had told her she needs to push harder you know, and so she had gone out and pushed just, a, but got over the edge a little bit. And that's what I, I really appreciate about the rookies is them trying to find where that edge is. You see that the vets do it too. You know, you have to find where that place is and it makes you better as time goes on. And that was a tiny little incident that she had that when she went off and, and yeah, she's continued on, done a great job this season.
0: On that note, on the, on the non-rookies, who's been disappointing this year to you?
2: Oh, dude, that's so hard to say. This is such mean. a hard question. Bro, I can't... I, it's not in my bones. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be the first one to say that forever. It is not in my bones. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I If you had said before, like a couple races ago, I think you could have said somebody like Rossi. You know, it would be like an obvious yep. thing where it's like, oh, he's definitely not had the start he wanted to. He's done amazing in the last few races. Um, the last three, really. And um, and the, the whole team has come together around him. Um, I mean, I I really... I, 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 other than the normal stuff where someone says Real letterman landigans had a rough go of it, they've had a rough go of it, M- my thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing with them is where does it go from here? Because they're going to make changes, uh, maybe not necessarily personnel, but they're going to start figuring stuff out. Hey, the things, the directions we've gone haven't worked. we need to try some new things. So that's the probably the number one thing that I'm interested to see is how does RLL shoot up, you know, hope, likely. I mean, maybe not, but, but what do they do? I th- What do they try to move forward from the place that they've been in so far this season?
0: Yeah. I mean, Ray Hall would be my obvious answer that I've probably said before. And even then last weekend at Road America, they were, I guess two weekends ago at this point, they were better. So I think if I'm going to throw a, probably not hot take for people who listen to, other hosts on the show but i've been a little bummed out with and maybe not surprised with elio's street course efforts just doesn't feel like he has street course pace most of the time like he's still a hell of an oval driver just and it might be you know that team expanding to two cars it might not be all him but that's been kind of the other one that stuck out to me is like you know he's now granted didn't have the best month of may but still still had a decent race and he's down in 17th below you know long and below graham ray hall
2: yeah yeah i i i think that uh i think those msr guys though the, the last bit of time i don't know they just both he and pagino they seem to be when i listen to those guys talk in interviews from the 500 on i get i don't know i just get the sense that something's about to be unlocked for them i don't know why but just listening to the way that they're talking about things i i just get the sense that something's about to be unlocked for them and uh, hopefully so, because it's it's it'll be great for everybody if that's the case.
0: Yeah, I mean, the more competitive teams, the better, in my opinion. But on that note, you mentioned you know Rossi earlier. Oops, I'm clicking on drivers profiles here, and I just want to look at the point standings. But you know, Rossi, who didn't have the greatest start to the season, probably not too much of his fault, is now seventh in the standings. So he's kind of in that you know, that Polo, Dixon, Rossi group of guys who could win but haven't win. Is there anybody to you that hasn't won a race that at this point in the season you would have expected to?
2: Well, I mean, I think definitely Polo. I think you would have expected Polo to win, <laughs> yep. you know, early on. And then, you know, Dixon, I think also, I mean, he probably, those are probably the top two guys that you would think, would have won a race by now, but they've, you know, they still find themselves fifth and sixth in points and they're right there, even having not won a race yet. And that's like, you know, that's a lot of what this is about. Dixon has finished all all eight races so far this year, um, kept himself fairly clean the whole time and other up until last race at Road America with, you know, the Polo Erickson incident, Polo had finished every race this year. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think those are those are the only two guys that, you know, it's kind of surprising that they haven't won, but you know, up until this point in the season, you expect that a champ is going to win two or three races. You don't have to win in the first 8. You know, there's still nine more to go and they've got a couple they've got a couple nine more shots to get to get those those points and uh yeah, it's like just keep it clean and keep it in the top 5 7 and you're going to you're going to be there thereabouts. I mean, you see that with um um you know, with, with, with a lot of these guys, it's like yeah. even, even Erickson, you know, he has the win at the 500 power has the one win at Detroit and, um, and, and, and he's powers right there, second in point. So with that, with that one win and he's just been so consistent the whole year.
0: Are you sad? Belle Isle is going away for the downtown Detroit layout or happy?
2: I, I, I think with so many of these types of things, when you uh, when you talk about like uh, it's personal preference, you know what I mean? Like, uh, of yeah. course, you're sad on the personal oh, yeah. side of things like, oh, man, that's so cool. Like, I enjoy the race so much. It's such a fun place to be and such a fun place to see. You know, you're racing on an island. Uh, I You you end up saying, though, OK, IndyCar is trying to grow the series. That's part of their effort. And like, I just trust a lot of those guys who are running things because, you know, I think the last few years has The series has kind of taken off in a lot of good directions with different things so it's like if those dudes are a lot smarter about that stuff than i am i know that for sure so if they think that moving the race downtown is going to be a better play and and it's going to be uh, sometimes you get forced into these things and you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. But you, yeah. I'm assuming that it's going there because you're going to grow stuff. And I saw right after the race they showed the uh, the start finish line of the new uh, the new race at the downtown track. And like the Renaissance Center is right in the background, like the GM building that's right yeah, there with yeah, yeah. you know, the start finish line. It looks, I mean, it looks cool, man. Like I was very, I was like, whoa, that looks that looks pretty rad, dude. So. I trust I trust that they're uh, that they're, you know, making right moves to, to get the goals that they're after, you know, which is which is growth a lot of it.
0: The split pit lane intrigues me more and more every time I happen to stumble no across doubt. that graphic just cuz it like it's you know every everybody says okay, in, IndyCar should do something to stand out and be different. You know, you don't want to drive to survive, copy for example. Split, mm. split split pit lane in addition to being difficult to say is accomplishing that goal so it's pretty cool i don't know how it's going to work I'm, i i think that's part of the intrigue is because it's never been done before I, you can't imagine what it looks like or how it's going to operate it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with
1: victoria cash the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.
0: ...or whatever, but I'm super intrigued.
2: Definitely. And uh, you know, I think you, you, you made a really good point that you want those kinds of things that are like talking points and and you want to build up like that culture you know what that at that new track and stuff like that and i think uh you know you lose scott fountain at the at, at Belle isle you know for victory yeah. lane and, and the guys jumping in there for for their celebration uh I, I had seen you know on the broadcast they had shown on the detroit broadcast they had shown these people that were in like these little floating cabanas they were like floating on the river and stuff like that uh that. this was like just like a b shot that they said sh- that they showed i think it was at the very beginning of the broadcast when they were doing pre-race you want to see like a like a victory cabana you know like like send these guys off <laughs> onto some kind of boat or something like that and just just continue to build up these kind of like you know culture iconic moments that's what the, the whole drive to survive thing was you know it just like caught culture at just the right time and you kind of build the, these culture around this with big things and with small things like this and it, it just does a series right and so i think yeah making these types of things with the, where the the start finish line is and the ren in the background you get the split pit lane maybe some victory cabanas uh you know throw out some super soakers in victory lane and who knows what could happen man
0: <laughs> super soakers in victory lane i'm <laughs> sign, sign me up all right looking (laughs) looking back on the first half of the year we've got we're eight races in is there one race that sticks out to you that's been you know kind of like your favorite race that you've watched so far a lot of great races
2: i the the spin GP the the rain (laughs) the rain affected indy gp that we had this year i just that race for me was I mean it's it's one of those races where you know they're in between the slicks and the wets and i heard some some drivers saying it'd be cool if we could have an intermediate tire where it was right on the border but man did it provide some entertainment i mean guys were off all over the place in that race that uh, the outlap that Herta did in that race when he came in early before everybody else to get on to get off of the rain tires and get onto the reds i think it was the reds to get on slicks anyway and then he took off out of the pits, and that outlap was ridiculous. And he hey, was chasing Pato then, when Pato came in. And that whole thing was, was bananas to me. I think just the, the all the stuff that happened in that race. There were guys going, you know, they were really hustling. You know, Tatiana had a great race because she was able to keep everything underneath her. And um, I think that uh, I like that race also because of the aero screen, actually, and learning about some of the rain things that um yeah. that that yeah. they'll be able to improve that. I think that's that was a really cool aspect of that. I'm always interested in what are the next things that are going that's going to happen with those uh with those rain races uh in the the aero screen the technology. What are the what's the next iteration and evolution of those things? They've got the second arrow screen that's coming uh pretty soon and then, you know, they'll incorporate some of these lessons that they've learned into those things. So for me, I I Uh, I thought that was awesome. And I thought the 500 this year was really, really awesome at the end. I mean, the red flag adding all the drama and stuff. I I just, I've really, there has not been a race this year that I have not enjoyed. That's not the case in past years. There've been some races in past years where I've been like, ah, if I was a a new fan watching, I'd be like, that was a little bit boring. But I think this year has been pretty good for me. Your favorite. What's been your favorite you've seen so far?
0: Hey, man, I, well, I want to give a different answer. It's hard because there there's not one race that's been a total snoozer. You, there there was kind of like the the middle third of road america was was kind of dull, but I mean, the beginning was pretty wild, the end was pretty exciting. So I feel like there was enough going on there. And you know Newgarden coming away with the with the million dollar prize is is you know pretty notable from that one as well. I I want to I want to say texas is one of my favorite this year just because nobody was expecting anything from texas we were all "Mm, it's gonna be texas nobody cared the drivers didn't care the drivers didn't care that they were trying a little extra practice or a tire dragon they were like it's not gonna work and blah 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 and maybe it didn't necessarily completely work but it was a good race and we had a, a last lap pass there for the win I was walking from wherever I was standing on pit lane to, to victory lane so I could get some pictures. And in that, you know, 200 foot walk, we had a different guy <laughs> win the race. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was things like that, that were, were pretty cool. You know, Jimmy Johnson finished six. Uh, I think that was, yeah, that was the, the race uh, Ferrucci subbed in, in, in the morning for, for Jack Harvey who wasn't feeling well and was in a fire suit about eight sizes too big for him. Didn't even have a seat that fit, <laughs> yeah. and he wheeled it home last to to tenth. So is I'm gonna go with Texas, which is probably may may not be a super popular answer when people listen to this, but that's okay. But it's it's been yeah, it's been a really fun first half of the year, and, and you're kind of looking ahead to the rest of the year. You know, we have a doubleheader at Iowa. Um, toronto mid-ohio nashville again and another ims road course gateway which is awesome portland which is always chaotic and laguna which has produced really good races since indycar came back i don't know about you the only one that i'm kind of like not really all that pumped up about is the ims road course again any chance to get to be at ims is awesome but when you've run the road course like 840 times in the past couple of years and some of it out of necessity you know COVID really screwed plans up and, and they had to adapt I get it but you know the guys pretty much know drivers know okay this is the setup I'm probably going to use for this race this is the tire strategy that's going to work this is how it happened last year with NASCAR so this is you know what to expect so there's not a lot of Unknowns going into that weekend that'd be my only one maybe I'm not super excited about
2: let me ask you this suppose it was between uh, like sixteen races for the season because suppose it's like right on the border right now where they, they, they want to get one more schedule one more race on the schedule but you know either IndyCar has to absorb a bigger loss in doing it or a promoter is like you know it's like you can't quite get it going this year would you rather have uh, this is not like a challenge question the way I'm framing it sounds like <laughs> would you would you rather have 16 or would you would you want to have would you want to have 17 and run that, that second race at, the, at IMS? 16. Really, no kidding. Yeah. just because you've seen enough there. You've seen enough yeah. at, the, at the road course. And I end.
0: think the road course racing has gotten better Like the first couple of years, mm-hmm. I didn't really think the races were all that interesting. Mm-hmm. But as the, the car has evolved over the last handful of years, the races are pretty good. It's just mm-hmm. when you do it twice a year for the last you know, three years now, and you know, we had the Harvest Grand Prix doubleheader weekend, so it's really like six times in the last four years. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a lot. I, I, and many people have said this, if you could alternate the layout for maybe the summer race where they, they go back to you know, using more of the oval turn one on, on the exit could i then say yeah 17 all right yeah if we're gonna make it slightly switch it up slightly sure but and the current iteration i i'd be fine with 16.
2: yeah no, that's that I respect it, man. I think that's that'll be the interesting thing I think going forward is if you do continue to do another one on the IMS road course. I think at some point probably something does change. And hopefully it's not just shortening the race by five five or 10 laps and making it an easier <laughs> fuel window. You know, it's like which yeah, I understand yeah. why you have to do that sometimes, but yeah, hopefully you start getting <laughs> those kinds of things. I know people talk about reversing the direction of the course, which gets to be difficult, you know, in terms of nah, where they have curbing yeah. and and run off and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it just makes you need to innovate. You know, it's like the people in the series, they know all these things too, I think. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with that race. Does it get, you know, does it get replaced with a with a different track? Um, somebody, some other track, maybe a Watkins Glen or something like that? Just, you know, hopefully maybe, <laughs> does it get replaced or, you know, uh, with, with something like that? Or do they just kind of, you know, innovate something about, about the, the, you know, the second indie, indie road course race?
0: Yeah. I. Okay. Hmm. I would love block this. Or nothing. Or maybe they keep it the same. Yeah, I listen. If they kept it the same, it's not like I'm whining like oh, 17 races <laughs> is too many or anything. Like, it's it's fine. It's I'm 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 complaining for the sake of complaining. But um, you know, I'm not gonna lose sleep or say you know doom and gloom. <laughs> IndyCar is doomed because they go to IMS too much or anything <laughs> crazy like that. Like it's it's fine. But yeah. If, uh, you know, the other races that I, I mentioned, which one or two are you most excited about? Is there anyone that stands out like, I can't wait to go back to Nashville or Gateway or, or whatever it may be?
2: I just think that uh, you you said it about Texas. I think it really captures it well, man. That Like, we ju- you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, like, that's why you go. Yeah. And because uh, you don't know what weather there's going to be. And weather can play such a massive factor in this stuff. You know, if it's not blazing hot. And and taking away from from you know the the grip on the track and that you get a little extra downforce in the air then then that helps the cars to stick better I think they did try something you know a little bit different at Texas with dragging it this time I think they dragged something over the track you know and and the grip ended up being pretty yeah. close to you know pre PJ one times not exactly cl- I mean it was closer it wasn't the exact same but I just think that that's that that is the thing that I think just makes it, racing interesting is you just don't know what set of circumstances you're going to get and a lot of times it does fall within that same 60 to 80 percent window Um, but you get those times those indie gps where it's like you don't know what the weather's going to do and it, it it it's that is that 10 20 percent of the time where something crazy happens i think the return to iowa is super cool to see because uh i I heard an interview with elio yesterday and he was talking about the last time he raced it i think he said was 2017 and so he was racing it before the, the current aero kits and was saying like how crazy different the car feels being there now um not not having just not raced it but then with the different aero configuration that they have now and so I think I'm, I'm really uh, excited to see that race. I think going back to Toronto, I mean, haven't been there for, I mean, 2019. Four right? year, three so years, three years. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that that I think is going to be very interesting to see again. I think Mid-Ohio is always interesting. It's harder to pass there, but it puts a premium on qualifying. And I think having some of those races, you get a couple of races every year where qualifying is, is kind of the premium and, and you have to be good in qualifying. I think that's always fun to see. Um, Nashville with the the track changes that they've made there it'll be interesting to see how that races um again this year like you said gateway is always cool that'll still be its night its normal nighttime race and then yeah Portland and and who knows once it comes down to the end of the season you get down to to Portland and Laguna and you then you're really talking point stuff um and that that's a fun time and then you're also usually for those last two races of the year you're usually looking at like a couple extra entries uh from somewhere that may not happen this year because of you know, chassis being at a bit of a premium right now, but who knows what's going to happen? You know, you could get a few extra entries that are happening there that are unexpected ones. And that would be super fun to see, too. I think I think the back half of the year is like I think it's going to be really, really fun. And who knows? I mean, that, that I, I the, the the amount of passing that's happened at the Indy Road Course over the last like uh, you were saying the first couple editions were you know, you've got the first couple editions of races at the Indy road course. They're kind of like, Oh, it's, it's fun. It's new. It's exciting. And then there was, from what I've seen in the data anyways, um, the passing then got to be a little bit um, tight for a while and it's really opened back up again, significantly. And so I, I'm, I'm in, I am interested to see kind of what happens in that Gallagher Grand Prix uh, when they go back to the Indy GP to see what happens or the Indy road course to see what happens there.
0: Is, is it a, Mind-boggling thing! I'm trying to like say what I want to say without cursing because I don't feel like having to edit it. That Max Chilton's dad's, well, not I guess it's not his company anymore. Is now not only back in IndyCar, sponsoring a race. Their signage is is in IMS, and they are on Scott McLaughlin's car. I almost called that car Max Chilton a couple times in Detroit. Is it? a little bit odd and I mean, cool, but odd to you as well.
2: I think it's so cool. I mean, like, because a lot of times I think what you see in racing is you'll see, you'll see brands get into it for a little while and then they exit. They're like, okay, either we got what we wanted out of this, you know, whatever we are looking for, we got what we wanted or we didn't get what we wanted. And so we're not going to do it anymore. And so I, I think it's really cool for Gallagher and, and, and even now, you know, it's like the, uh, it's like a family owned insurance company. So. The fact that they saw some type of value out of it and whether that's a business to business thing or or it's, you know, it's something where, you know, they feel like they're they're getting, you know, they're getting business to their company through it, through through their consumer products or whatever that they sell. That's I don't know, but but I think it's great that they came back because I think it just shows that whatever they're doing right now, they're getting value out of it. And I'd actually be really interested in a case study. To, to with a lot of these companies to see yeah. a lot of times like what what, what are your guys uh, aims that you're actually after right now like sancio coming on and sometimes it's a local you know type of thing like you get direct supply that's running on vk's car and they're in, based in milwaukee and so they sponsor them for road america because it's a whole kind of you know company outing and that whole kind of thing they got pride in the race and that kind of thing <clears throat> it'd be interesting to see the different angles the companies take in their sponsorship kind of these uh, like case studies of of how they do that because I, I I agree with you I think it's really interesting that Gallagher came back on in that in, in that way in such a kind of a big way too
0: and, uh, the one the part that made me laugh was it was like an 8 a.m press 7 a.m or 8 a.m press release like oh Gallagher's back and everybody was kind of like Gall- Gallagher with the max Shelton Gallagher like it just kind of <laughs> caught everybody off guard and it's cool it's just you know you're like oh not Max Shelton all right well cool. <laughs> So, oh, that was mean. Anyway, we'll we'll kind of we'll wrap it up there. And uh, Andy, thanks for joining. Where can everybody find you on Twitter? I think which is where you post your graphics the most.
2: Yeah, post my graphics on Merrick Speed. So it's M E R R I C K Speed. Merrick Speed. That's it.
0: Awesome, man. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Andy, thanks for joining. Next week we'll be back to preview Mid Ohio. Mister Malukas will be making his co-hosting debut next week. So. I'm pretty pumped about that. I hope he is too. I hope he can deal with us as a as a co-host. It's a it's a lot to handle, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm super excited about that, and should have some another announcement or two in the near future. No IndyCar this weekend. No F One this weekend. But IMSA is racing at Watkins Glen, so I think that's a six hour race. So tune into that. I'm sure, it'll be on Peacock.